Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the From the Finney podcast with Jimmy and me, Jake. Tonight we're joined by Ryan Briley and we'll discuss the defeat in Middlesbrough. We'll look ahead to Saturday against Luton Town and we'll discuss anything else that happens in the next 30 minutes. Enjoy. Evening boys. I know uh, obviously tonight hasn't been great, but other than the footy, are we well? Yes, good mate. Yeah. Good. Good, Ryan, good to have you on you, Thank yeah. you for joining us. It's been uh, long overdue. Yeah, I wish it was on better terms, but yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Some way to come on and make your <laughs> debut, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not, uh, not the best of intros, is it? No, but hey-ho, that's football. Yeah, tonight, it first 30 minutes was actually quite good, I thought, up until the sending off. I think you in the, uh, in the group chat, Jim, we were probably the better team. Well, we were the better team. There's no there's no doubt in it. We were the better team. Um, clear game plan from the first minute. Um Go, we went to Ched really early. Went to Ched or Barkey, hitting them really early with quite strong passes. Um, quite surprised to see Borough go 4 2 3 1 and match us up rather than us match them up 3 5 2. Um, but with their tactical shape, that both their fullbacks were really high. And what we did with our front three was Sinclair and Barkey filled in the gaps between the fullback and the centre half. So they were all, always playing quite close to Evans. Evans gave their two centre halves, is it Hall and Fry, real handful Dale for that Fry, first yeah. yeah, Dale Fry, that first twenty five minutes. His work rate, Chad, absolutely fantastic again tonight. Could not fault that. You know, those two centre halves will know they've been in a game tomorrow. Um yeah. and I thought we were on top, you know, we're linking up well. Obviously I know Van der Berg's obviously hit the bar. But I thought there was other parts of our game that were, were positive at that point. You know, Jordan Story striding out with the ball quite a lot you know, stepping into midfield with the ball. And I'd, I just felt, I didn't feel threatened by Middlesbrough at that point. I never felt like we were under the cosh at all. You know, they've had a couple of headers, that's it, you know, before the sucker punch. And that's what it is. I, I just didn't feel threatened. And then you can't give Yannick Belassi, a player that's been sold for £25 million in his career, just the opportunity to cross the ball into the box on a post. I think the the game quite literally came to a standstill, didn't it, before he put that cross in? But he did, because that's the he sort of walks to the ball, then he he's got a really good turn of pace from a standing start, which he, for a professional at this level, it isn't really heard of. You know, there's not a lot of players that can go from sort of naught to sixty in the space of half a second. You know, because that's how that he's quick and he from a standing start. Yeah. And I don't think he can get it from 0 to 60 in half a second. Maybe, maybe 60, I don't know, centimetres, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to say. But um, you know what I mean, though? Just that, yeah, yeah, that quick yeah. turn of pace from a standing start that's really hard to do. And it's, you know, it's a natural ability for him. And I just thought Barky would have put him under pressure because Sepp's behind him. You know, so if, if, he, if he glides past Barky, you know, and he shows him on his left foot, then he steps there to then try and stop the cross. Don't just invite the shot into the, the cross into the box because we've said it, I think Ollie said it a few months ago in here, the more times you put the crosses into the box, or it might have been Sedgy actually, when Sedgy was on with us, said the yeah. more times you put crosses into the box, the more 
thinking that in a more pressure on the defence have got, you know, the more... The more you, the, you're making the defence have a... Give it, give, you're giving the, the defence a decision to make, aren't you? Yeah, and it's just a horrific, you know, it's a bounce and then I, I just, my heart sank. I was like, no, not not him. Because, you know what, he didn't deserve that tonight's story because he's played, he's played actually really well, apart from that one mistake. And when your look's not in, your look's not in, is it? And yeah, they, they say, don't they? It doesn't rain, but it pours. <laughs> oh, but it's not, it's not stopped pissing it down for weeks, <laughs> has it? For weeks, let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, and then that Brown Morse incident, dearie me, Oliver Langford, what have you done? What have you done? I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed. First, first of all, on that, well, before, before we get on to the officials, I think. Brown Brown is stupid for doing what he's done. I think let's be clear on that. He shouldn't be lashing out. But coming on to the officials, they they need they need to officiate the game better because it's either two bookings and you crack on, or it's two reds. Straight in front of the fourth official. How's mm. he not seen it? How's he not yeah. seen Morsi throw three elbows? What the fuck's he doing? <laughs> what? No, honestly, what's no, he doing? Yeah. Why is it? Why is he? Why is the fourth official there? Looking at the action, not saying to Langford, there's elbows getting thrown. They both need to go. You know, it's not a case of, you know, one or the other. They both have to go because Brownie shouldn't be kicking out. It's bloody silly. Club captain, you know, he's played what? 290 games in professional football. Just go down. Go down all your head, screaming like a wimp, like Morsi did. Because that's all Morsi did. As soon as he's been kicked, he's like, ah! And next minute, he's rolling around on the floor, red cards out. Well, no surprise. Oh, just the way he went down me. as well, by the way. He went down in stages. Did you see it? Yeah. But he's gone down screaming, looking for the ref. Because he, he's, he's there, he's looking, like, trying to find where the ref is to make sure he gets eye contact with him. Next minute, bang, red cards out. I'm like, just silly. Just really silly. And Johnny will learn from it. You know, got to remember he's 25, 26, whatever he is. But, Come on, got to do better. Got to do better than that. What if? I mean, I know it's rugby for you, Ryan. But if you're in, you're in the dressing room after an incident like that. What's what's your reaction like? It, it's a tough one. I could be. As I said to you earlier, I think Brownie's reaction is built out of frustration, and and, and I don't just mean that incident. I think just in general, with that, with how recent things have gone on, and um. The team goes down one nil to a shocking error, really, isn't it? A shocking error. Mm. Um, so the last game, obviously, the Falcon actually they want to fight and show passion for the badge. And he's doing that and he's fighting, he's, he's having a tussle with someone, he's fighting, he's reactive. Um, again, it, it, like we said before, he should have played the game and probably took a dive, and, and then it's a different, it's a different game, but. Yeah. In, it's hard, it's hard, it? when you eat the moment and you want to fight and you're frustrated and you're battling. Um, Red and, mist, isn't it? Yeah, and, and, and he's the captain of, the, of, the, of this club and he, isn't gonna get, he doesn't want to get bullied, does he? He's, and he isn't getting bullied. I just think at that point, you probably have got to allow yourself to be bullied and just go on the floor yeah. and, 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 make, and make him make a decision. I mean, it's a we all like they said about the rest, like the fourth official, is the, the action wasn't actually too far away from the incident. So I don't understand mm. how the four officials missed that. I, I, I can't get my head around it. If he's on the other side of the field, you can have some sort of sympathy or leniency, but it's all kind of in that cluster where, where 
what are they looking at then? Uh, what, mid, what, middle what, of the pitch sort of area. Yeah. Um, and and the line the line wasn't a million miles away. So I'm saying I don't so I don't really get it. I, I mean, so when you, when you come back to, I mean, as a as a player, you feel devastated when you when you've done that. And no matter when you actually calm down, you're sat in the changing room and all the boys come in at half time. You, there's no worse feeling than, than to let Slate in. But, but I can guarantee there have been no pressing players arguing with them or blaming them. They've all been going up to him saying, "Keep your head up. We, we get it." Blah 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 blah. Yeah, and it, it is what it is. I, Again, he'll, he'll probably make another mistake, Brownie, in his career. Will we, 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 as players we do, don't we? Make yeah. mistakes. Um, as and people, be, we do. No, yeah. not, not just players. No, and, and there'll be no one. There'll be no one more disappointed than, than Brownie. Like I've been when I speak to him, the, the passion he shows for this club and wanting to do well um, speaks volumes. So, so if listen, I, I don't want to um, sugarcoat. I don't want to kind of come in and protect the players just because some of them are my friends. I, I don't want to do that because I feel like I'm paying lip service and I don't really want to do that. Yeah. But I can guarantee there'd be no one more more pissed off than him. And if anyone if anyone needs to be made a scapegoat, it's certainly not Alan Brown and, that, and that's for sure. Yeah. I thought he was doing all right tonight as well. Yeah, up to that point. I thought I was a bit surprised when I was in the team because I was like, you know, the four changes that he'd made, I was I was surprised at. But Gally and Brown, it worked for that first half an hour. I think, I think just on Gally and Brown, you can, and this isn't me comparing Gally to Hunts as we've criticised Hunts in the past, but it's a partnership that they know each other. You know, like we've talked about Davis and Hunts in the past, knowing each other and knowing sort of those little little nuances of each other's play. I think you could say the same about Gally and Brown. They've both been at the club for years, played probably knocking on a hundred games in the middle together. You know, mm. it's a partnership where they know one another. So it wasn't really much of a surprise to see them doing well in the middle. Yeah. John Roper put out before the game, Alex Nils returned to his trusted players, which I thought was interesting. You know what, what John tweeted, because I didn't see it at that when I, when Andy Bayes read the team out, cause I was driving home from Blackpool. I was like, it wasn't it was he left like last so the last change he left to last um, I forgot how he read it out, but I think it was the Whiteman to Gallagher one he, he left to last. I was like, he's done what? I, I just I just didn't I, that one surprised me. It took yeah. took me back to me. I thought I thought Potts would come in because it's an away game. Potts tends to come in, you know. Barkey, yeah, he did well second half. Wasn't surprised at that. Lindsay coming in for hunts, yeah, he still has that little bit of balance at the back. The white man to, to Gally one just took me back. I was like, "What?" I just just didn't expect it. But fair play to Gally. You know, he's, he's give us that sort of fifty five minutes like he usually does. Um, so yeah, it's, I think, like, that's what it is at that point. I'm no um, I'm no football guru. You two are way more educated than, than me on that stuff. But I just feel like when when Gally plays, he tries to hurt people with when he when he picks a passion. I mean, he, try, he doesn't play say wants to hurt someone wants to directly hurt their team in, in some some sort of fashion yeah. um, and, and whether whether barking up barking knows galley and brownie knows galley and, and pops it i think because they know galley's going to try and like, try and hurt someone with his pass they probably gamble on a run a little bit easier i mean again i might get this wrong to correct me for correct me for no that. spot on it's uh, weight of pass it's yeah weight of pass I mean, it, it, like it's a strong it's a strong yeah. pass rather than in, yeah yeah. No, it's not laboured. He, he pings and wants to di- go direct and hurt someone. Um, so 
that's how I feel with and again I probably not I've probably not watched Ben Whiteman enough in, in his Doncaster days, but that's probably what I was kind of expecting a little bit. Um and it seems a bit his passes very seem to be very lofty and a bit not I don't, I don't want to sound laboured because he's, he's def, definitely not, but it's, more, a, it's a different kind more, of pass, isn't it? Yeah, more zip and ping in his in his pass. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just that way of passing. That'll come to Whiteman, I think, you know, because this first season at the level, what's he played 14 games at the level. I think, you know, Gally isn't such an experienced pro. Yeah, and I think it's... And let's not forget as well, G- Gally's played at the highest level, hasn't he? So he knows he knows football inside out. Yeah, he's, put, he's, he's had his one sub-appearance for Scotland as well. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, no, I, I just think the, the red card changes the game. And I, you know what? I still thought, whilst it was getting a little bit naughty that end of the first half, you know, tackles were flying in, ref had lost control of the game because he made a mistake. Still thought we were in the game. Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, obviously what happened at, happened at half-time, you know, with Alex Neil being sent off as well, don't really... That- don't, that's we don't the know first what time said. we've had a manager sent off. Don't remember Grayson ever getting sent off. Grayson's too soft to get sent off. Um, <laughs> I'd be surprised if um, Billy Davis didn't get sent off, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure true. Billy would have got been, been asked <laughs> to leave the sides. You know what he was like. But um, I think Alan Irving might have been sent to the stands, you know, once. Don't know why that's just coming to my head. It was an away game. Can't remember where we were. In fact, I know Craig Brown did. He talked about it on the pod at Brighton away. Yeah. <laughs> so, Probably the last person you'd have expected to have gotten a red out of all our recent managers. There's a common there's a there's a common theme here between those four people we just mentioned. They're all Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. Um the Scottish body's laughing as well, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone can play for Scotland. Yeah, well, <laughs> But, um, um, yeah, go yeah, on. I just think you know, the Ila said what what all the fans were feeling probably at our time in terms of the frustration towards the ref. But he's the manager; he can't, you shouldn't really say it, you know, because Langford just couldn't wait to send him off because he probably knows he's made a mistake. But I suppose being down to ten men, you know, Middlesbrough could then just play the football and pull from side to side where it was down which is starting to happen a little bit towards the end of the first half. But I still, you know, the longer it stays at 1-0, the more the longer you're in the game. And, you know, start that second half, Iverson's made that unbelievable save with his foot. You know, there's no right to save if we're honest. And then the second, or well, the third sucker punch comes and Liam Lindsay just completely misses his tackle. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't get the man, he doesn't get the ball, he just gets thin air. And next minute, within, what, three, four seconds, the ball's in back at net. And you know, if you're not going to get the ball, at least get the man in that sort of position. Take the booking because then that goal that goal doesn't happen. You know, in terms of that phase of play, you know, yeah, they might score from a free kick or whatever as a result from it, but that phase of play stops dead. You know, they don't hit the bar. Ta- the time to regroup, it. isn't it? Absolutely, especially when you're down to ten men. Yeah, you know, you already pulled apart. Um. Just it a killer blow, really, though, isn't it? That second kills us, kills kills the game, you know, and it becomes damage limitation. He takes Ched off, keep him fresh for Saturday. It's the only reason you take him off because he ran his balls off tonight. Um, you know, it's for sure. I think the final nail in the coffin is him. If if that's his last game, 
in his final substitution, he's putting Joe Rafferty on. That just rounds up the last three and a half years of Alex Neal's <laughs> tenure in charge, doesn't it? So, just obviously, it's the same for every team. And Ryan, you're the same in rugby. Um, just how different do you think the last few months will have been if we'd have had fans in? I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's read it, but I'm I'm reliably informed that my Lanks Live piece is the best performing piece that's gone out on Lanks Live out of the From the Finney Boys. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Why do, you, why do you have to drop that in now and not give me any sort um, of heads up that's coming? Um, but I mentioned in that about how I don't think people can form an argument on the manager losing his job based on had fans been in, in the stadium because it, it's all conjecture, really. It's all what what ifs and ifs and buts. And, you know, it, yeah, it could have stayed the same and the manager could have lost his job, but equally could have been completely different. And we, we were talking before off air uh, about how a lot of teams are built around playing off emotion. And I know, Ryan, obviously you've you've played from, obviously you're in your sport with technical teams and those emotional teams, if you will. So then I guess from your point of view, being a professional sportsman, like how how have you found it with no fans in the stadiums and, and how do you think it does affect like teams like North End? Yeah, yeah I've, I've struggled personally with, with, without fans. Um Playing last season with uh, with Hull, they are a very close um, close town in terms of their community and their fans. So everyone talks about how hard, how difficult it is to go to and play Hull away in, in terms of us play 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 Hulkington Rovers away because of the fans, because the atmosphere. It's a small stadium, it's loud, it's compact, and so it's a well known uh, common knowledge that it's a tough place to to go to. So when you take that away from Away from you and, you, and you start playing without emotion. I remember, I remember the first game um, we played. We played against Warrington. Played at Leeds. Um, no fans there, and it was like playing like an academy game, like a reserve game. Um, yeah. And you could hear what the other team was saying, so the moves they were calling, the things they were saying, what areas they wanted to attack and defend, and all. And you could hear their coach saying whatever he was saying, um, and there was just no intensity in the game. And and as well, you, what you do get is because there's no pressure. Well, you feel like there's no pressure because there's not because there's no one watching. You get players trying things they would wouldn't normally try. Yeah, no pressure. There's no pressure, and you think, well, no, I've never seen him do that before. So, just a, a sense of confusion. And for a team like like Hull, who, who, who played on emotion a lot of the time, and when when big teams came to Hull, we managed to get a result because of the fans and the momentum and like what I said, but influencing referees. I was spoke earlier with uh, off air about the Alan Brown situation. If that's in Deepdale, that doesn't happen. Hundred percent, that doesn't that doesn't happen tonight. Uh, and it's, it's same with rugby. There's certain things what when you play an emotion, you find something different, and and you can never probably put your finger on what it is. But you, you ask any player, would they prefer fans than not? And they'd all prefer to have fans there, 100%. There's not one player who, who enjoys playing playing in front of no fans. Yeah. And, and when I've been in teams where uh, littered with superstars and going to teams like that, you always struggle with teams who play in motion with, with fans there. Always struggle. You'll, you'll never get an easy win going to a team who plays in motion. And, and a, a bit of it, and again, I don't want to kind of, Go off because again, I don't. I don't want to come across like I'm a football expert because I'm definitely not. But the likes of Liverpool this year who have struggled because I think they're out of every out of every probably team in England, 
they play an emotion the most. Like, it, I, the, I know that we're talking a couple of years back now, but when they when they uh, played Barcelona and they they came back and won, and uh, when it was three 0 down, wherever it was, there's no way that happens in an empty stadium. Not a chance. Yeah. It doesn't happen. So I think Preston, who for years have played an emotion, um, and I'm talking about away from home as well, seeing a packed North End end as such. Um, when you're away from home at Blackburn or wherever, wherever it'll be, I just when when I speak to the players, they love it. They thrive on how many fans Preston take away, and and that, I think I think you've seen that as well at away games when like the Gentry Day at Bolton, I think was it a few years ago when Shawnee came off the bench and scored twice, and they're celebrating, they're getting stuck in with the fans, and they're getting bowler hearts and all that sort of stuff, and. You know, even like, I think it was a year ago today, was it? Or two years ago today when Shawnee Maguire scored that that header against Birmingham. And even that, like, you know, celebrating right in front of the fans, getting proper, like, stuck into it and and that emotional side of things. Because that's what I'm saying. When you you play on on that sort of of emotion, you then, I think uh, you mentioned the other day about the, the finance report in terms of we've got like the 16th, 17th wage budget, something like that. Yeah. So we we uh, consistently always play play above that and, and perform above that, but that's because uh, there's an, there's an element of things in terms of players probably performing above their average, managers are exceeding exceeding expectation, but fans play a massive part in that. Fans, in terms of getting more out the more out of the performance, it it's hard. It's when, when if let's say if all our players perform to their best of their ability. We're probably touching top eight, top six side. Is that fair? Is that fair to say? So yeah, yeah, I'd say top ten at least. Top ten. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think then to the best of to the best of their ability. But to get to their best of their ability, they need fans because we play anymore. Because we're not the best technical team, are we? No, you're spot on with that. Probably not been for the last two, three years. We're not the technically the best. Where again, I don't want to flip it and trying to compare us to, to to Man City, but Man City are really good technically. So does it matter to them if fans are in or not? Probably not. No, and that's why they're doing so well this year for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't think that should be... Again, I, I don't want to come in and like try and protect the players and defend the players. I don't want to kind of cop out and I don't want to come across like that. I'm just trying to give it from a player's point of view what would be yeah. expecting them if that, does, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting to get... And again, I know we, obviously we've mentioned that you play rugby... Well, rugby league professionally, but... You know, you're a professional sportsman at the end of the day, and I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say 99% of our listeners haven't ever been in that environment. And yeah. to get that insight from yourself is, and and you know, the players I've had on in the past on the meets episodes is is vital, I think, for understanding the, the broader picture. I think it's that twelfth man, isn't it? That's what we call it in football, and it's. It's like the benefit of having the town end at home, you know, at home games, you know, and yeah, they might moan at, you know, if the passes go backwards or go astray every now and again. But my word, that goal against Birmingham, that ball was sucked into the net pretty much, 94th minute of a game. And I think, yeah, I, 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 there's a couple of things here. Alex Neil wouldn't have got away with the form that we're in at home, especially at home this season with fans in the ground. It wouldn't have happened, you know, and yeah. it'd a the, the the results would have turned earlier, or B he'd have lost his job earlier for for, the, for me in terms of that because 
there's not a cat and L's chance that we could play that badly and, and play that stale and, you know, safe, if that makes sense. You know, a lot of our games, what if we had five, one nil defeats at home, that doesn't happen. You know, we don't go seven, eight games at this season at home without scoring. That just doesn't happen in a normal year with fans in, for, in my opinion. Just, I suppose for your point of view, Ryan, obviously playing with Hull KR last season, do you think if you had a normal season and normal home and away fixtures that it'd have impacted you guys positively because playing at Craven Park, isn't it, full yeah. KR? Yeah. Do you think it'd have you'd have got more positive results over the course of a season, you know, dragging teams like Wigan and Warrington and you know, St. Helens, for example, to Craven Park twice a year? Because, yeah. you know, it's a different atmosphere, isn't it, in front of fans in a in a small ground like that? Yeah, I think that we actually did um we had like an end of season review and about how it was how it was before kind of COVID hit to then playing behind closed doors, and was I know it sounds really bad this, but we was like on average thirty points less behind closed doors. So I think whenever we'd play a team um, a team at their ground or at our, at our stadium, we'd always we'd always either win or lose by four to ten points yeah when we have whenever as soon as it went behind closed doors we was losing by average 28 to 30 points a game and and there was no squad difference so it was all the same players no 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 drastic changes um and be, and, be, and again because I think we had like the lowest um the lowest salary wage budget wise so you, there's an answer say yeah we, we probably should have should have been there or thereabouts but this is what I'm saying in terms of why games are never played on on paper is when you have that home crowd and that home advantage, it really is home advantage. Whereas I think you mentioned it about there is no home advantage anymore. The game nails up. What's the point? There's no point playing anywhere because you you don't actually don't get home advantage anymore because it's just, it's just the same feel with no atmosphere. And yeah. I, I remember speaking to my uncle. Um, I, I can't remember who we played, but we we battered someone at home last season, and I said to him, I said. I can't see us getting beat at home. I can't see it. Could never see us getting beat at home. I think we kind of got beat by QPR. But, um, <laughs> but, it, but you know when you get that feel on North End that like you, you're not going to get yeah. beat at home. And, and now I, I watch games on, on TV I'm thinking, I can't win at home. Like, mm. It's weird. It, it just doesn't feel right. And there's no tempo or momentum in the game. Just stay. I think like you said it, Jay, like just over it, bored of it. And our players are probably the same. Yeah, yeah. more than likely. It's a game of fine margins as well, football. You know, if you look at the average goals in games this season, you know, it's under 2.5 across the championship, you know. So when games are getting decided by one or two goals, then, you know, fans could make a massive difference because that is that little bit extra that can provide a team with a spark, you know. And it's like what you just said then about rugby league, Ryan, because, you know, whilst... 20 points is a lot, you know, that's five tries, you know, if you break it down or, or three and a half converted ones. So, you know, you've gone from conceding, I don't know, four or five tries a game to conceding eight, yeah. you know, nine. That's like a massive jump, you know, isn't it? It's, and that's sort of unheard of, you know, in, in professional sport. And I just think, you know, roll on August because, we can put all this behind us from this season. You know, it's going to be a bit of a fresh start. Yeah, fresh start, absolutely. And I think it's going to be the case um, in a lot of sports as well. 
just on the manager, nothing's come in, but it seems like Gally's come out and spoken to the press. Yeah, probably from a player's point of view, though, I'm guessing. <clears throat> I was going to say whether I'm reading too much into that or not. Yeah, still nothing from, from the club account. Nearly an hour on. Listen, it's... Anyway. It is what it is. And yeah. there's nothing... You know, if it's a delayed press conference or he's coming out later because he's, you know, trying to break down the referee's door or whatever it is, then fair enough. But, um, you know, he'll say what he has to say. I just feel sorry for him tonight. I think there's been times where you can you can give it him. Uh, I just think tonight, what we said about before, but for 30 minutes, we've dominated the game. Dominated mm. the game. Felt like the only team to, we were going to win it. And then that happens. And, and you know what? You, can't, you don't even get angry, do you? You just go... No. Oh, you just get upset, don't you? Like, yeah. And it's like, fuck. Like, when you see yeah. through that, and then you see, then Brownie gets sent off, you're going, you're looking at Alex Neal, and you know what? He can't control Story putting that ball in his own net. He can't control Brownie kicking kicking that play. He can't, there's things he can't control. And it's like, you feel so sorry for him because there's no way he's told Story to put the ball in his own net tonight. He's not done, never done that. And never no. So it, it, I feel, again, I, I understand, again I, don't, again, I don't want to come across as lip service and defending everyone, but there's been times where you've probably had every right to abuse the manager and, and, and whatever he's done. I just think tonight is a real tough one because we're probably the best we've played for a, a long while in terms of the first 30 minutes and dominating the game and, and looking creative and looking like we've got a spark and, and dangerous and then you, you go from hitting, your cro- hitting the crossbar to putting the ball in your own net and you go in, Fine margins, isn't it? You can't write it, can you? You cannot write it, and you're going. Like we say when it rains, it pours, and it's horrible. So like, you, yeah. you, you can't even get angry. You just you end up being gutted and upset about it. It's like what do you do? Yeah, yes. exactly. Well, he's, he's out talking to the press now, so he's obviously not lost his job yet. <laughs> Look, if he loses that, his job, not that it, I want it, him to, by the way, but it is what it is. Look, if it if it happens, it happens. I, I'm not. Uh, it's going to happen eventually anyway like we've said for the past few weeks it's going to happen it's just a matter of time and yeah, it's know, a case I, of when not if now isn't it yeah absolutely so we'll just wait and see yeah um, Luton on Saturday then Luton on Saturday um, good win from tonight um, 2-0 against Coventry should have been more apparently um, Coventry obviously yeah, they've got they've got quite an easy run of fixtures at the minute as well, and I don't think they're picking up points from it. So, you know, people who are scared about us going down, you know, Coventry I think, and Birmingham. We said it weeks ago, didn't we, Jim? There's three worse teams in this league than us. Yeah, Coventry and Birmingham are going to fight out for that second spot. Well, third spot, sorry. Chef Wednesday and Wickham will go. Um, I know Gareth Haynes has come out and said they're going to fight to the end, which they will, but they'll come up short, unfortunately. Um, gone 3 5 2, last couple of games, Luton. Uh, which is a little bit unlike a Nathan Jones team who likes to play down midfield. But um, Adi Bayo, the lad they got from Walsall in the window, third goal tonight in six games. So he's now hitting the ground running, real handful up front. Um, been playing with, oh, I can't remember his name now, that's going to annoy me. Quite a quick forward, can't remember his name. I'll, I'll uh, dig it out in a second. Harry Cornick. Um, yes. We were linked with him, I think, in the summer, weren't we? Yeah, so... Yeah, they're doing all right. I mean, obviously going up to 13th. We know what we're going to get against Nathan Jones' team. They're going to be hard work and they're going to be disciplined. You know, they're not going to make it easy for us, especially at home. For, so, yeah, Jordan Clark, Matty Pearson, both ex-Accrington, I think, aren't they? Uh, Matty Pearson's captain of them now. 
like both of them, like both of them and Aki, I thought they might be able to do a job for us. Um, it's tough. It's, you know, the fixtures aren't going to get any easier. You know, we're playing teams that have got things to prove and teams that want to finish in the top half, you know, in Luton's case, you know, and, and then the three games after the international break are pretty much, you know, yeah, the, the toughest you're going to get. Well, we're just looking for punishment, aren't we? If, if we're going to enjoy those three games, but knowing North End, they'll end up coming out of summit, you know, playing Norwich, Swansea, and Brentford in the space of a week, you know. End of day, you want to be, well, just see yeah. what happens, don't they're we? They're the kind of games, aren't they, in the past? And again, obviously, it's when we've had fans in stadiums, but they're the kind of games in the past that, you know, we might have come out with six points or four points from. You'd be buzzing for, wouldn't you, really? If fans were in ground. Easter weekend, yeah. back, you know, double header. And then, is it what is it, Brentford the following week? It's, yeah. it's like, you'd look forward to that as a fan, you know, because you want to be tested, don't you? You want to be tested against the best teams in the league. And if you can piss them off as well and spoil their promotion part as well, right, <laughs> then, then that's what we want to do. So, bang on, fucking bang on. I'm not, I, like, just, on. remember when we went to Birmingham, that, what was it? When Ross Wallace scored the free kick, Jake won't remember because Jake won't have gone. But um, I didn't go, but I remember. <laughs> but they, they, that ground was full because the, if they won, then they will, got promoted automatically. I went there. We snatched a 94th, whatever minute, or 89th minute winner through Ross Wallace. He ends up getting sent off. And then we end up getting coins and all sorts rained on us after the game. <laughs> My mate Joe's to the game with a PNE wrench. He's not going to do that again. <laughs> Birmingham. He's never going to do that again. I was a bit similar to. I went to um, Leeds on Boxing Day last year, um, yeah. and also a lot of my rugby mates they all support Leeds. So I, thought, I remember going on my own. I thought, fuck, I'm going to go on my own. Um, and, and just little things like just winding, just winding big teams up. We just miss it. Eh? It's like yeah, I feel like you're not having that that. Connection. I know, like I remember. Uh, before the game, I think Nugent was like walk, like walk, jogging around and he's winding all the Leeds fans up and stuff. I'm thinking, as a player, you're buzzing off that. I, I think you, you could see that as well when when we scored, when Alan Brown scored oh, and it oh. was in front of the Leeds fans and they were just him and Nugent. Off. I think, did Nugent jump on his back or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they were just like rubbing it in the, in the Leeds fans' faces. And that, again, to come back to what we were talking before, it's the kind of thing that Preston North End thrives off. Um, your favourite bit of the pod, Jim? Predictions. predictions. Well, I'm glad that you sort of edited out my nil-nil prediction from tonight. You know, it sort of, <laughs> it sort of got like talked over a little bit. It's tough, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen between now and Saturday. You know, we can have a new manager, we can have the same manager. Just don't have a clue, do we? Do you, do you know um, what? Do you know what? We've got nine games left of the season. I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen between now and the end of the season. So let's just sack off predictions. And we'll, <laughs> we, we, we'll start we, afresh we, from next season. We might win some. We might draw some. We'll definitely lose some. I think that's, <laughs> that's my prediction. Yeah, and I think on that note, unless you two boys have got anything else you want to add, then we can call that a pod. Yeah, it's good to have you on, Ryan. No, I'd, say good, I'd say good luck on Friday, but as a Warrington fan, I don't really mean it. So um, <laughs> I'll speak to you on Monday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I expect to tweet on Saturday at some time. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, but thanks. But, um, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate yeah, no, it. We'll, mate, we'll get you back on. Not a problem. Yeah. Good luck with the start of Yeah, no, I, I echo, I echo what Jimmy's just said. But we've, we've not decided on our Ollie replacement yet, or even if we're going to bring someone in permanently. So yeah, we'll, we'll no. get you back on for sure. Oh, thank you. 
Awesome. Um, yeah, cheers. And thank you very much for listening, for listening to episode 47 of the From the Finney podcast. Yeah, I hope, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs>